Yeah, it's Tom here at the Aslan headquarters about to kick off another episode of Sales with Aslan. Uh, appreciate you joining us. Of course. It's good to, good to be here. Sun's shining through upon your face and all is well. They can't see that on the podcast. Sun, sun shining through. This is why you are the best co-host in the business, because you said the sunshine oh, no. i've got a the color the color the the, the yeah the, the 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 vision that you create the, the artistry with your yes. words thank you beautiful thank beautiful you. well but welcome i'm glad to love that love our series that we got going here tab yep how do we crush our number 2023 by getting back to the basic it's all about the fundamentals baby we're revisiting the fundamentals at the beginning of this year and yep. uh, this is another, I think, a really critical, um, a really critical element to being successful. And it's something, Tab, that you, I think, are better at than I am. I may have more experience, potentially. I don't know. But I think yeah. you're naturally better at creating a plan. I think maybe I've focused on it more because it's, it's an area where yep. I just, I don't like to be hemmed in. But we're going to talk about developing a plan like a very Love specific it. plan and what are the key elements of creating a plan and i found for me this was very helpful in determining and getting me to the sort of the next level of success i kind of was the guy that like wandered around when i first started my career in sales <laughs> i'm gonna wander around <laughs> people <laughs> love me i'm gonna wander I'm gonna around wander. And i'm gonna, make I'm, gonna wander. I'm a wanderer what do you want to make a lot of money <laughs> I want to make. I want to be. Well, I, mean, I want to be successful. I want to make a lot of money, and I'm gonna wander around. And like, well, what? Do you, what's your plan? It's a plan. It's. A, I'm a plan. I'm gonna wander around. I'm gonna. And by the way, I was successful. Yeah. But what? there was another guy that came in, yeah. and he had a plan. And he was more successful. He made you look like not quite as successful. That's that's it. That's better. That's better. You know, so. Well, you know, Tom, it is funny you say that we're talking about this now because I know you brought this up a couple weeks ago. But, you know, I don't know if anybody else it feels this way. A lot of times it's easy. You get, you get rolling along as a salesperson and things yeah. going well. Maybe you did a great plan to start a few years ago. You've just kind of gotten comfortable. And then like I was reading the paper this morning, we've talked about it. You just read, you know, everybody's laying people off. Is there a recession? Yeah. All of a sudden you start getting a little knot in your stomach. Well, maybe this is a good wake up call. Yeah. Get back to the basics, you know, really don't just leave it to fate, but let's be you know, let's have a clear cut plan going in. It never, I have never, Tom, in my 30 years or whatever it's been, I've ever said somebody come to me and say, Tab, I, I really, planning killed me. Planning just ruined. <laughs> planning, uh, well, you know, you're bringing up another aspect that I actually wasn't thinking about, Tab, and another, yeah. another important element of having a great plan or nailing down your plan is it's like that's what you can control. You can mm. control what you do. Yes. And if you break it down and say, this is my plan and this is what I'm going to do, then I, I, I narrow in on what I can control versus worrying about all the things that I can't control. And yes. that's one of the, the benefits of having a plan. If you're kind of wired more like me and you're like, like the, you know, off the seat of my pants, I don't like the plan. I don't like to think of, think yeah. of you know, nail myself down. I just don't enjoy it. Um, the benefit is, this is what I control. I remember was doing that early in the in Aslan days when mm -hmm. we were struggling, and we would say, "This is what we have to do," and we developed yep. that and we worked it, and um, and it and it worked. I mean, we we were it does work. 
Yeah. yeah. Now we have a seven figure business tab, a seven figure business. <laughs> it makes it sound so good. I mean, doesn't, doesn't that it? sound cheesy? Seven yeah, figures. You want to yeah. make seven figures. Yeah, I listen like to the it. podcast. But all right, so let, let's let's dive in, Tab. Let's let's okay. get in. Let's, without any further ado, okay. I want to talk about the first part of the plan, which is defining the numbers. I want to talk about how do you define the numbers. There's four steps to defining the numbers. There's no, part of a plan. A critical element of your plan is numbers, especially in sales. <laughs> I can't speak for engineers or accounting. No, they like numbers too. Oh, All they probably like do. They, they do. probably, yeah, but yeah. I don't know about their plan. But our plan in sales <laughs> is very numbers. Uh, maybe my, I don't know. I don't know other roles, but um, and here's the first number you need to start with is your number. So if you're in sales or you're in a leader, you're a leader, you want to first start with what do they, what do you want to make? Like, what's your income number? Well, I want you to, I want to make this much money this year. I want to, this is my goal. And then, because if you don't start off with what you, what you want to make, everything else really doesn't matter. You know, so we start there yep. and figure out, I, I, and it's funny. I, I went into this year uh, not really thinking about that. Mm -hmm. I, I actually don't naturally default to figuring out what I want to make, like having a goal saying, this is the, how do I make the income? Cause it feels, uh, I guess a little uh, selfish, shallow, but mm. it's important. I mean, you're going to make yeah. a number you're, you, you know, it's not like that's what your, the, your motive is how much money you make, but it, it helps to say this well, is what I want. If you feel shallow, just go really on a low number and you'll feel better about yourself. <laughs> yeah, yeah, right. <laughs> oh, yeah. I just, I meant yeah. to make very little. That's why I planned accordingly. Yeah, I planned to but make no. very little money. Yeah. No, it I love just... it. But start with a plan and just don't just let your manager, or your boss, or whatever tell you what your number should be. I mean, I, I made that mistake earlier in my career. Just what's my quota? And I that's thought that really meant good that's yeah. the, my number. Well, that's not your number. No, what your number is your number yeah and by the way if your number is i'm just going to make up a number your number is one hundred and twenty-five thousand, and your quota it, you have to work and your quota is requiring you to make two hundred thousand, which sounds kind of <laughs> weird to say but you might be in the wrong role yeah yeah you may have a problem <laughs> that accounting may problem. job may yeah. be better for you the opposite's also true yeah you want to make you want to make 200 and if you hit your number, crush your number, you're going to make 125. That's a problem too. There I needs have... to be alignment. Yes. Excellent. There needs to be alignment with, with the role that you have. Um, and it's always better if it's fine. I'm, nobody's going to complain if you sell more, you make yeah. more money than, but start with your number, start with your number. You know what What's you the number? Right. And you want to be smart. I hope everybody knows what smart stands for specific, measurable, um, attainable, relevant, and time bound. Yep. Um, and so I think the, probably the most, uh, important elements of that is that it's measurable. You know, if you hit your number or not, obviously income is easy. If, is it real? Is it attainable? Right. And I think yeah. that's part of going to be this process and obviously time bound, is it going to be by the end of 2024, or you may want to do it in quarters or you may want to do it, yeah. you know, um, you know, every six months. The next thing you want to do is you want to figure out, okay, what's the mix of my business? In other words, how do I get there? And that's, this is a little complicated because there's multiple different roles. But in B2B sales, business to business sales, there's really two roles, Tab. As you know, there's really hunters and farmers. Yeah. There's account managers yeah. and there's business development reps, right? So let's talk about the little bit more 
um, it's a little bit more complex is the account manager because they're often have three types of accounts. They have yeah. accounts that they're fending, accounts that they're growing, and accounts they need to acquire. Right. <laughs> what do most account managers want to focus on? <laughs> they love to defend. <laughs> like, Defending's hey, fun. Dinners, yeah. nice yeah. pop-ins. Yeah, exactly. I want to, and by the way, I'm all for that, right? Yeah, got you, to we, defend. We all want to spend time with our friends. It's You don't get a lot of rejection. Receptivity's high. Life is fun. We're talking to people who want to talk to us. So I always recommend, as you're building your plan and your account management, you start with defend. How much money right? How What's my number for defend, right? And if you can get to 50% of your quota with defend, that's where you start. You, it's much easier to defend than it is to acquire. That's much easier to defend than it is to grow. So we start with the defend and then we say, okay, well, if I grow my business, now let's just say 30% is defend. You can, you, you'll hit 30% of your number if you defend your existing account. Then if I grow my existing business, where am I going to be? Well, I might be at 80% of my business. So if I, you know, defend and grow my existing accounts, then I'm at 80%. That means you're not going to hit your number. Right. So that means that 20% of your number is going to come from acquire. If your business development, <laughs> it's all acquire. Right. And you maybe have a little to grow. You might have a little grow. You may have some existing accounts, but you're probably not anything in defend. But if you're more of a business development, the role is you, you mostly got to find new logos. Why is that important, Tab? Ask me. Well, Tom, why wow. is that important? <laughs> How's that? Was that good? Good setup? Uh, yeah. Uh, well, it, it's obviously rhetorical, but it's important because if you've got to know where well, you've got to know if you have to, if you've got to acquire, that's really more for the account. Manager. Well, and, and now tell me, I'll ask you this question because I, I have a lot of account managers say to me, um, but Tab, I, I I go well over my quota if I just defend my existing accounts. What do you say to somebody who says that? Yeah, that's uh, and that's where there's a lot of rub in organizations where where leadership is saying mm -hmm. you need to acquire. The <laughs> rep is saying why. <laughs> do you realize that I? <laughs> Actually hit my monetary goal. Yeah, I hit my. There's two reasons why you still should acquire, um, even though you may hit your number with defend. There's two reasons. One, that's going to change. Yes. Right. You're you are you're in a market where what you're going to do currently will not work in the future, and so if you don't start building your pipeline when that reality hits, you're going to be in trouble. So wise organizations say, hey, the market's coming at us. For example, we work with certain companies that were selling certain equipment in COVID and they were crushing it. And if mm -hmm. you said, hey, you need to develop a new pipeline, they would say, you're crazy. I'm crushing it. And they'd say, well, this market's not going to be this market forever. You need to go build your pipeline. Right. And and the reps that did now in this market, are they're crushing it still and everybody else is really just demand fulfillment. Yeah. So there's going to be a day where you got to create demand. Um, yeah. And so you always want to have your eye on that. The other reason is, is because you're not serving your customers. Right. Right. If there's market out there that needs what you offer and you have a new solution, for example, 
like where you, so I would say if you can really hit your number of defend, you probably don't need to acquire, but you at least need to grow. You that's need to what look I at say. Yeah. Yeah. Just be always staying ahead. Cause I always tell people, same thing. I'm good. Excellent answer. I, I was same thing. It's like, just know you're putting yourself at risk. Yeah. Because you lose a big account. They go away. All of a sudden, your compensation changes mm -hmm. in the middle of the year because they're trying to drive more growth out of certain accounts. I mean, it's just always, even if you're really, just always have your eye on it. Just yeah. even, even if it's only 10% of your time, fine, but be proactive in some way, shape, or form. Always be sowing new seeds because you never yes. know when the drought's going to come. Totally agree. Uh, but, but you also, so there's a self-centered reason, right? The self-centered mm -hmm. reason is if demand dries up, you got to, you got to have a, you got to be able to build a pipeline. And, and the more you get ahead of that, the better. Yeah. The other centered reason is, is you want to serve your customers. You don't want to go to an organization who's saying, hey, we have these new solutions and it's really great for our customers. And you, you look them in the eye and go, I don't care. Yeah, that, doesn't, that doesn't matter I, to me. I don't care about the customers. <laughs> I don't care about, sir. I don't care about serving my customers. Now, obviously yeah. there's a lot of account managers out there that are probably right now saying, look, I don't have time. It's not about, I don't want yeah. you. I don't have time. And I get it. There, there's some conversations that you need to have with your organization to say, but you don't want to say, I don't want to serve my customers. You want right. to say, help me take some things off my plate so that I'm free, that I have the the bandwidth. And you got to be honest with yourself and say, do I really yeah. don't have the bandwidth? Yeah. Um, so well, I that's think that's, good. That's a good question. So, um, account manager, so business development, basically you, it's the same, except for you take the defend away, right? You just, you just take defend yeah. away and maybe yeah. even grow. I mean, it's maybe mostly, maybe yeah. you have a small, you're, you're spending a lot of your time, you know, looking for opportunities and they're not easy opportunities. Um, yeah. The reason that's important is because it drives the next thing. So the first thing you need to do is start with your numbers. Second thing is you need to look at your mix of business, defend, yep. grow and acquire. And that's what drives the next thing that needs to happen is what do you need to do in each one of those buckets defend, grow, acquire. Again, yeah. yours might just be acquire. Yours might be grow and acquire, or yours might be all three. What do you need to do? Not how well do you need to sell, but what do you need to do in each one of those categories to hit your number? Okay. So for example, in defend, I might need to I mean, I've got to defend 20 accounts. Okay, great. I got to defend. What does that mean? Well, I meet with them once a, every six months, once every quarter, once a month, once a year. What does that mean? Right. Yep. So that becomes a metric that you look at. What do I need? What do I need to do historically? Or what do other people do to defend their accounts? So there's a, there's a, a reality to it. Then it, same thing for grow or acquire. What do I need to do to win more opportunities? And everybody yeah. that I've ever seen that was successful in sales, and then that's a pretty strong statement, but this is every, let me say it this way, every organization that I've seen, and we've worked with hundreds of organizations over the years that are really good at building a sales organization have, de have defined their numbers. It's like eight, yeah. eight meetings leads to two opportunities that leads to one yeah. deal. I mean, it's like they have that number and they're, they're always mm -hmm. clear on eight, two, one. Right. Or right. 10 to one or whatever it is. We know what our number is like. Here are the numbers. So if you know that. So if I have to create five hundred thousand dollars in new opportunity and my average deal size is two hundred and fifty. Right. Mm -hmm. So I've got to win. I've got to win two deals, which means I need four opportunities, which means I need eight, you know, 16, whatever. I now know what my numbers are.
and it's yeah. probably not eight. It might be 20, 20 yeah. meetings leads to, you know, yeah. um, and so, and, and, and when I say tw eight, typically that means leads, right? right? I've got eight people saying, I'm interested in this. You might have to get 50 to get eight, to get two, to get one, right? So yeah. there's 50 meetings. So you just need to have a real clear picture of the pipeline and what that, okay. what ultimately, and I think the, that number can be developed by looking historically at what you've done or what other people have done. But those numbers are available. I mean, I think in most cases, those numbers are available. If they're not, then I would make some assumptions. And guess what? If you're running those numbers and you're not, it's not working, guess what? You got another, you got some other problem. There's something else going on and it'll kind of connect you to that. Yeah, exactly. Could like, be. if you know, everybody is, they make 50, 50 meetings that generates eight leads, mm -hmm. right? A real strong opportunity, real strong interest that leads to, you know, two opportunities to one close and those metrics aren't true for you. That could be an indicator that there's something, there's an execution problem. Yep. Yep. But once you know the numbers, this is the part that I think everybody probably is tracking with me. Maybe, maybe this has been just, you know, just an easy review, but I think what a lot of people are missing is the next step, which is come up with your point system. So if you think about the productivity metrics that you want to look at, and I, I think of productivity versus activity. So productivity is what do I do? What, what are the, what are the things that I do that actually move a deal forward? Like one of my favorites is a discovery meeting with a decision maker. Yeah. Not a follow-up call. Hey, checking in, but I'm, it's a discovery. It's a first discovery meeting with the decision maker. A lot of organizations I've seen measure that first meetings, the mm -hmm. so first meeting with a decision maker. That's a big productivity. So like contact is activity. I sent an email. I reached out on LinkedIn. I, um, you know, uh, made a phone call. Just act, It doesn't move anything. It, it's, it's activity, but and in some things you shouldn't measure that, but it's not productivity. I like to get hyper-focused on productivity and then come up with points associated with those productivity metrics mm -hmm. so that you know, an e you have an easy system to see if you're productive every month. Right. So in other words, if let me, let me just make sure I've made clear. So if let's say your productivity numbers, like you say, I have to hit 50 points to know that I've done what I need to do to hit my overall for the month, overall sales numbers. And so to clarify, your points are made up of a certain number of discovery meetings, presentations, whatever exactly. it is, you've defined that mm -hmm. and, and you may now, now let me, let me, here's a good question as we, as we wrap this up is do, what do you do? Cause I hear, this is a question I hear all the time. Mm. What do you do if your organ, the organization you work for, um, doesn't have a point system and they just track. At, we all activity, right? They just track activity and it's all about activity. Do you, I mean, do you find that? I mean, I know we have some companies yeah. that do a good <laughs> yeah, job I, of it. I love, and I we've love seen, <laughs> we've seen what, the opposite. Here's whatever, here's what the reps will tell you. And here's what the frontline <laughs> will tell you, because what happens is senior leadership says, I want to know these people are working. Yeah. I want to know that they're working. And it's about the senior leadership's numbers, the view of the numbers. I want to see what my people are doing. I want to see that they're working hard. We want them to, 
We want everybody to prospect and go out for new logos. I know these account managers are not going after new stuff, so we're going to make them do it, and we're going to require this level of activity. Right. And what the managers will tell you is it becomes an exercise in creative writing. So <laughs> <laughs> That's good. In other it's words, so whatever true. activity metric you want to throw out, you will get that number. Now, it will have nothing yeah. to do with reality, but they will give you numbers. And the numbers yeah. will match what you tell them to be. Like, well, we need to have 50 phone calls. I can't tell you the number of organizations where I've come in under the radar and watched what the reps are doing. And you'll see mm -hmm. them make five phone calls and hang up right before lunch. And then they'll make five phone calls. People will actually call them. They won't answer the phone and they'll call them <laughs> back to get credit for two. I mean, they, they just will, they'll do all kinds of things. Yeah. What you, what, first of all, it needs to be their plan. So mm -hmm. you as a rep need to say, this is what I need to do that tells me I'm going to sell what I want to sell. So like for at Aslan, for example, we knew that if we have a, one of our key productivity steps was an assessment slash presentation or what we call a recommendation. In other words, we would have, we would assess what's happening in the sales organization. And so that we could put the, and this is really works for almost anybody. And then we would, so we would, we'd spend time understanding what's happening in the organization we were, we were hoping to serve. And then we would present back to them what we call the x-rays. Here's what it looks like in your organization. Here's our recommendation. We knew if we did one of those a month, you would hit your number. Yeah, it was that tight and clear. It was that if you do one of those a month, you're going to hit your number. So guess what? Our number, the number of points that you needed to have per month was 50. Guess what? The assessment presentation was worth 50 points. Can I guess? So, I'm, yeah. I'm going to guess 50. Um, 50. Yeah, that's it. Yeah, I 50. love it. 50 because points. we don't care because that's what drives the revenue. That's what's going to drive success. So I always, I, and I don't know if you do this, Tom. So I always encourage people, if your system that your company has for you is not doing it for you, yeah, don't let that bog you down. Create your own no. system. You don't have to share it with anybody if you don't want. It can be your own. But you need to have a system that works for you. And you can communicate, and you may not, this may not work if you're in a really big organization and what's, what's happening is three levels above you. But you can communicate to your frontline manager, here's what I'm doing. Like, I yes. have a plan. I, I, I need to get 20 discovery meetings. So my discovery meetings are worth three points. Uh, you know, my pre if I do this, it's worth 20 points. If I do this, it's worth, I'm focused on the points that drive deals. And yeah. by the way, I can make a thousand contacts and do zero. Yeah. And, right, that's, sure. and, and it's great because you, you, you encourage, I encourage this too, because I guarantee you sit down with your manager and say, so what you, you may see my volume of call, my calls are down because what I'm doing is I'm working LinkedIn and I'm working some referrals here, but it's leading to these discovery meetings. So if you don't, I mean, just know that I have a plan keep your eye on that because that's what drives revenue. If, exactly. if a salesperson comes to frontline manager and lays that out, I don't think your manager is going to have a problem with that. Exactly. And, and it it. May, yeah. And it, by the way, if you really need to contacts are important, like yep. you do need to measure your activity uh, and you may want to do that manually. I still think like, I don't mm -hmm. like Salesforce or whatever CRM is not going to capture. Like I used to go to trade shows, walk the floor. And I would meet with 30 people in a day, like yep. have 30 live conversations. That doesn't show up in Salesforce. Mm -hmm. Right. But I, would track it because I wanted to track the con the activity so that I knew that I had a certain, I got a certain point. I think it was one point for having 20 activities a day. I can't, I can't quite remember. The point is there's a lot of things that you do that ultimately drive an opportunity forward.
develop a point system based on what you know will lead to the success that you desire and it moves the opportunity forward and if if there's one thing that you do like if i do three of these a month like presentations or capabilities presentations i'm gonna i'm gonna win then those three uh those three uh metrics should have the points equal to your goal your monthly goal yeah. Got so it. that's awesome i find so, that to be the most helpful that is not original to me yeah. um but I don't know where that came from. Um, but I know, I know one of our reps, uh, I, I think, you know, had that idea and I'm like, I love it. And we, we implemented it. So you start with your number, mm -hmm. you know, you figure out how you're going to get there. Is it going to be account management, business development? Mm -hmm. You know, do I, what do you it, have to do in where each do bucket? I, yep. What do I do each in bucket? And then, um, have a point system. Yeah. You got to know it? what, Am what's I your, done? yeah. What's your metrics? Uh, you, what, what has to happen? You know, we got to know, again, it's the number of meetings that leads to number of interested, mm -hmm. you know, interested parties that lead to uh, opportunities that lead to, you got to know that, that formula and then the metrics that drive that. Right. And that point got system it. will be built off that. Okay. I love it. Beautiful. So is that, is that all I need, Tom? Am I done? Like, is it, okay. I got my point system. I'm, I, I got, is that. Am That's I... the numbers, right? That's okay. the numbers. But I think if your plan is going to be successful, you need to figure out who are you going to target? Mm. And I think this is also part of your plan where okay. when you're thinking about your plan, you got to have a target. You got to have a who, who am I going to go after? I'm just, I'm not going to go after everybody. And I think the, the, the reps that are most strategic are the most successful and they have a mindset. It starts with this mindset of I'm choosing who I want to pursue versus trying to get chosen. Yes. I think that's a really important distinction. It's like, I'm, I know who I want to serve, you know, and I am going to choose who I'm served. Now it feels kind of weird because we're, we're out there looking for people who don't know about us. So it feels like, but, but we're not saying anybody wants to talk to me. I'm like, no, I choose who I want to preserve because there's a lot of, a lot of energy that's going to be expended on trying to get with those organizations. And I love the idea of the fishing analogy. Mm. All right. It's like, I am, there's a lot of fish and a lot of water, right? And excuse me for this analogy, if you don't fish, but you get, I think everybody understands fish. There's, there's lots of fish. I got to pick which fish and I got to figure out where I'm going. And what are they eating? And so if I start narrowing on the fish and I can start to go, okay, I know who I know how to pursue those fish. If I'm fishing, if I'm trying to go for everybody, it, it just becomes very, uh, I'm just all over the place. Yeah. So, yeah, I like it because it's one thing to pick a number. You got to pick a number. You got to know your number, mm -hmm. but if you stop there, you're going to, you don't have, you may have, have troubles. So now you're saying pick a strategy. So go, okay, yeah. here are my numbers, but then I got to pick, what are the criteria I'm using to, to, to figure out where I fish. I got to, so the, the criteria, I would, I would always think about it in, in three categories. When I think about okay. the criteria of, of choosing my quote unquote fish, my prospect. And I like to think of it this way. And, and this doesn't track with um, all the different marketing terms or what Salesforce would put, but I always thought about it as suspects versus prospects. Suspects mm -hmm. are people that like, okay, you demographically, Maybe some people want to think of it as leads versus, you know, 
I forgot what how I forgot how marketing qualified leads. There's all the kinds of different terms, but I think of it as just simply suspects versus prospects. So suspects are people that just fit a demographic profile. They're in a certain sick industry and they're certain size. That's all you know. You don't know anything about them. You're like, oh, they're manufacturing and they're bigger than this, and that's that's my market. Okay, that that's very generic, but that doesn't tell me enough to say I need to really go. I I need to focus on them. Mm-hmm. Um, and the way that I think about prospects, you're like, I think if I spent enough time, these people would, this, uh, this organization would be a, uh, qualified opportunity. So the way that I pick my, my prospects or qualify the people I want to pursue is I ask three questions. Is the opportunity, is there an opportunity? Can you win? Is it worth winning? Mm-hmm. Right. Is there an opportunity? And, and so what I want to do there is I want to look at what's the criteria of, the organizations that I work with, what is the common criteria of the people that, that want my solution, that need my solution and look for something that I can easily identify. So for, for us, for example, tab in the sales training space, want the criteria that we, and we don't have to talk to them necessarily. Mm-hmm. We don't have to have a comment. We just know that this is true as we called it the rep effect. In other words, the sales rep had a significant impact on the revenue. Yeah. So that's a criteria that would tell us, oh, there's an opportunity for training versus an organization like Apple. And this is it wouldn't just, you know, this was several years ago when we were talking about this. Um, who the market was coming out of. There's a line outside the door. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> probably not that worried about it. Yeah, they're like, I think we can handle the training. I think it's right. It's yeah. probably more tra- profit. They want product training, but when it's difficult yeah. to sell, what the the difference between you buying from me and not buying from me as a salesperson, then that's more of a qualified opportunity mm-hmm. for us. So think about when you look at your market. If you serve small business, what is the criteria of the small business owner that that Go, oh, wow, these people really need us. If you tell me this about them, mm-hmm. they, they're going to need us. There's a, you know, they have this number of this is going on in their organization. There's change or so, something you can identify on LinkedIn, something you can identify by knowing a little bit about their industry. That's really important. And I think the other, the, is it worth winning? Most people know that like they just size yeah. right yeah, you've got some you'll probably that's not real hard it is is okay this has got growth it's got a big growth opportunity or it's got high margin or whatever to your point i don't think that's the hard part you're yeah it's not it's like in the whole where we're headed for this is you want to know are the fish biting that's what it. tells you the fish are biting yeah. they may not i want to know they're they're hungry something tells me that i'm in an area where the fish are biting that's the opportunity. Can it can't you know? Is it worth winning that size? Can you win? Is what other people overlook. Well, and to, I just think to validate this, you know how mm. we you say you learn more when you mess up than when you do it yeah. right. I say that a lot, maybe because yeah. I mess up a lot. But uh, one year, you and I obviously we've worked together for a long time, and it, it, it's amazing what you can learn by 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 an experience versus telling if you'd told me this you and i talked about this you always you talked about this Mm -hmm. and i was like yeah whatever um we ended up one year and i tracked it we get Mm -hmm. done with one year tom i worked and this is early days we did everything we sold we delivered we did it all and we get done with the, the first year that year whatever year it was and i had worked twice as hard as you i am mm-hmm. sure 
selling, pitching, the training. I mean, I, you know, you didn't and you made twice as much money as I did. That yeah, was extremely painful for me. It was the greatest lesson I ever learned because you did this and I didn't. And I, I, because because what you did is you for every deal you you land, you lose a deal. So yeah. if you're spinning your wheel, like what I would do is I'd take anything that was shiny. I'm fishing for all of it. I'm throwing mm -hmm. all kind of stuff. I'm throwing bread. I'm throwing worms. I'm throwing shrimp. Yeah. I don't care. <laughs> Just bite it. Well, then I get locked on to a or little baby catfish. Oh, you keep moving around. Oh, fish are biting over there. Fish are biting over <laughs> That's there. Fish it. Are biting. Yeah. That's all over the yeah. place. I'm like, I'm just like squirrel running around. Mm -hmm. So you're exactly right. And so I just, I thought that's a great example of the power of this. And, and you know what's scary? And maybe some of our listeners are like this. It's hard to walk away from something that's real money. It seems, but sometimes it seems, it seems like true. But that could be the smartest thing you ever do. Yeah. And we are just talking about, again, spending the, the time to prospect. But I like what you said, Tab, is every time you're working on a deal, you're losing a deal. So yeah, you, your your greatest resource or your more scarce resource is time. Yeah. Most it's how you spend that time ultimately is going to determine for most of us how successful we are. It yeah. doesn't mean we won't be successful, but it's going to determine how successful. It may determine be the reason that you don't hit your numbers because you spend time pursuing opportunities or a certain prospect or you haven't you weren't strategic in your mindset. But if you think about it from the customer's perspective and you stop, this is why it's called a plan, and you mm -hmm. stop and you think, who really needs us? Like who, yeah. if I, if I spend the time and the effort and the energy, cause you gotta, you gotta reach out to every prospect at least eight times just to even get them mm -hmm. to understand who you are and what you do and break through all the noise. It's so difficult to break through the noise. You have to focus. This scattered approach really is not going to work. I mean, we'll talk a little bit about that under strategy in a second, but um, I mean, there, there's, a, you can do a scattered approach, but it's, 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 I think the targeted approach is more successful. So you've got to figure out who you're going to target. Yeah, you can do it. I've done it, but it's mm -hmm. not the most effective way to make money and make right. money and hit your number. So I, I, I love it. So, so we got, I love this, Tom, build your plan, define the numbers in four steps, which you clearly defined, then develop, like you got to, here's my number. Now it's my target. Like what's mm -hmm. my prospect target. And then you just said it right now. I need a strategy, right? I need a strategy to put it all into play. Yeah. And I, I, I want to, we always tab. We talk about almost everything. We always start with mindset. Like how do you mm -hmm. think about this? A, a lot of people are waiting on marketing to come up with the, to solve this problem. <laughs> you know, they're like, Hey, if you guys will generate more leads, I'll sell more. I'll let me know when leads come in. I love that idea. Like I like the idea of somebody just putting opportunities in front of you. And that may, and I think that's a wise strategy for a marketing organization or an organization to, to, to give talented people, put talented people in front of opportunities. I love that strategy, but in reality, we don't want to depend on, we don't want to depend on another person for our success. We don't depend on another yeah. department for our success. Um, and, and a lot of people will say, well, cold calling doesn't work. Right. So I have to depend on marketing. I would say, what do you think marketing is? <laughs> Marketing's cold. I mean, if it doesn't work, then marketing can never generate a lead. Um, so yeah. marketing is doing something to get people to notice the organization. You can do the same thing, but you can be more targeted. So that I, it starts off and I know I'm making broad statements and there are things that marketing yeah. can do. That's not cold calling. And there's, there's some really creative things that people are doing organizations are doing, but and for most of us, 
a high percentage of us, there are there are strategies that we can implement to get people that would not talk to us to talk to us. And it does yep. work. Yep. And it starts with believing that you are responsible for that number, whatever the, the number beyond defend. Yeah. <laughs> you got to go get the, the, and it may be prospecting within the existing account, or it might be prospecting for cold account, but don't depend on marketing. So that's number one. If you think about your strategy, let's talk about acquire versus grow. Yeah, because it's a little different, obviously. It's a little different. So acquire, and you know, there's the referrals. You can get referrals. There's strategic alignment. Referrals, obviously, is from, um, you know, talking to people who already love you and asking who else can you serve that have the same need or problem. I, I love doing that. I think it's important to do that. There's a way to do that. Um, I don't really want to dive into that here, but and another option that can bring opportunities to you is strategic alliances. I mean, who's serving the same decision makers, selling something that's not, that's not competitive. Mm -hmm. So you're talking to the same people, you share leads. That's great. But I think the one, um, let's talk about the hardest one, which is cold. Um, and I think the, I go back to the cold is I would come up with a site fishing strategy. And I yeah. know we talked about this, the site fishing strategy, which is where are the fish biting and mm -hmm. you spend a lot of time working few fish versus trolling, which means you just ride around the waters. <laughs> you put a bunch of lures out, right? Right. You put a bunch of, and you don't really know you're drinking beer. Yeah. You like beer. You're drinking whatever you're drinking. LaCroix, the kids are drinking LaCroix and you're driving around and you put a bunch of stuff out in the water and you hope you get something and you're having a blast. That's one strategy. I don't find that strategy working very much. There's so much noise that it it's really what's working today is you pick a very narrow target. We talked about the criteria before and you focus. Yeah. So for example, pharmaceutical companies, what are they interested in? If you serve the healthcare market and I narrow into a really small slice of that market and I come up with a really tight message, that's my, that's my flute, my lure that, you know, that's the yeah. beta. And I get really focused on that and I understand what they're doing and I'm going to really hone in. I find that that strategy is more effective. And some people call that account-based marketing, um, yeah. but it's saying I'm going to narrow, really narrow in I'm going to narrow in on a market and I'm going to narrow in on a message and I'm going to really work on keep massaging that message until I get through versus scattered approach where I'm throwing a lot out in the market. I think that's the most effective strategy. Yeah. And you know what it does? It changes that from cold to warm. Mm -hmm. I mean, and if now if you're very targeted with all the information that's out there, you should never do anything cold ever. And that's a whole podcast in and of itself. We've probably done one on it, but yeah. I mean, that's encouraging because it does, it helps everything be much more relevant. You can make things more relevant. It's, you can connect to just trolling to me is just grab a phone book. The old days, you know, you just, yeah, you like, just throw, ah, it. You just throw a little hard. bit at the market. It's kind of like uh, another analogy I would use. If you don't like fishing analogy, that's not making violin. Sense. Think, Can we do violin? Yeah, yeah. Think about uh, another analogy. Is like cold called cold called door to door. Oh yeah. Okay, so if you if you look at a neighborhood and it's got five hundred houses and you knock twice on each door, no one opens the door. You just keep knocking. Go to the next door, knock twice. Go to the next door, knock twice. Go to the next door. Not one of those five houses will open the door. But if you looked at that neighborhood and you said. I'm going to, I'm going to get 10 of those houses to talk to me, 
10 yeah. other people living in those houses to talk to me and I'm going to come up with my strategy. I'm going to focus on it. I'm going to put a flyer in the mailbox. I'm going to knock on the door. I'm going to call. I'm going to yeah. email. I'm just, and I'm going to figure out what I'm going to look at. I'm going to make a phone call to the neighbor next door and I'm going to find out what's happening. And I'm going to, I'm going to meet with one of the kids at the high school who didn't <laughs> try to find out what's happening. I mean, uh, the analogy is probably breaking down, but the point is if you ne- if you just knock a couple of times, nobody's answering the door. Right. Yeah. You've got so to narrow. You've got to narrow. Okay. Uh, whatever that looks okay. like for you, you've got to narrow it and um, spend a lot more energy on fewer prospects. And you know yeah. which part of that is make is talking to people and finding out what's happening and, mm-hmm. and within the organization. That takes time doing research. So more time, fewer. That will get you. That will successful. The, if you're account manager tab, yeah, I think the first thing I would do as a strategy is to come up with a blueprint of the account. Oh yeah. It's like, what's happening in this account? Like what, try to get an understanding of what's your account share and what else is the opportunity and what else are they buying? And what are the department? Like just, it just, what's the landscape of what's happening in that organization. And that be, that will develop your strategy for then know how you can rank your accounts and and build your strategy from there. I, I will tell you if if you if you're an account manager and you've been in your role for a while and you've had success, mm-hmm. this may be the best thing you've listened to on this podcast because I I've been training a lot of account managers in my life, and I, you'd be amazed how many highly successful ones when we talk about this go. Mm-hmm. You know what, Tab, you're not going to believe it. I went, I just assume that they love me here. I mean, of course yeah. I'm getting all the business and you challenged me to go do a blueprint. I'm blown away. There are, there are projects going on. I'm losing business. I'm at risk. Um, so, so I really do. I, I highly encourage that no matter how successful you are, just double click into some of your accounts and make sure you're mapping them out. So yeah, I'm you a big fan of that. It, and it's the easiest thing to do that, that, because we had just sort of like the way we talk about these things, you say, look, we're, regardless of what you're buying from us now, mm. let me have a better, better holistic understanding of the account. That's where you start. Yeah. Um, great point, Tab. I think the most effective strategy when you're working inside of account is sponsorship. Oh, yeah. Totally. How can you find people who love what you do? who also is connected to the decision maker in the other areas of the organization. That's the easiest way to to navigate up. You know, if you're in manufacturing, how do I move from the concrete to the carpet? Well, the best way is to find out who in the concrete is connected to somebody in the carpet or however you, that is the easiest ways to get, is to get people who are connected to the people you want. That's in key because everything it's political inside organizations. It's just like high school. It's political. And so who, even though there's titles, titles don't always mean everything. I mean, it doesn't mean that that rank doesn't equal influence. So find out who is connected to the people you want and get sponsorship. That's, that's the easiest way to get the meeting. Once you have the meeting, here's, here's another little tip I would give you that um, I found super effective. Again, this is about, again, once you focus and you know who you want to pursue, based on your blueprint and the criteria that you develop, this is where it starts to make sense to do free value added work. Mm-hmm. How can you do free work for people? Hey, we're already working in this division over here. 
I'm now introduced you to you. I don't know how we can help or if you understand the value of what we're doing. What can I do for you, whether it's an assessment, whether it's research, whether it's demo, whether how can I do free work for you to help you see the value or help add value to your business? Um, and then then let's meet and talk about how that's helping. That second part is really critical. Don't do the work without a commitment to yeah. leverage that work to get you to the right people. Um, but I find that super helpful inside accounts. Yeah. Effective, I should say. I totally agree. So I love this. Build your plan. You start, define your numbers. Where, what am I trying, where am I trying to go? Figure out where I'm going to prospect. What are the, where am I going to fish? I love that mm -hmm. analogy. And then my strategy, and, and it's a little different if it's acquire versus grow, but making sure that you have a strategy in place. So I think that's excellent. Beautiful. Well, I hope, Hope this was helpful in developing, plan, uh, developing your plan for the year. And, and, and again, most of you probably have a plan, but maybe this will help you um, tweak it a little bit or see that there might be some missing elements. Again, if you are in management, right, and you're a leader and you're listening to this podcast, it needs to be your team's plan, team member's plan, not your plan. Nobody's motivated by your plan. No one's motivated by your goals. So help them come up with like, I don't know, tell me what to do. Like, you know, we're going to start with what's your number? Well, I don't have a number. Well, then that's your first assignment. And then you build the plan right around their numbers. They've got on it. So when you meet with them about their plan, it's about their plan. Like, well, I don't know. I didn't do what you wanted me to do. This isn't about what you want me to do. This is about what you want to do. And by the way, if they don't want to do what it is that they need to do, then that becomes super clear that this isn't a fit. I don't want that number and I don't want this plan. Like, well, then that's what we do here. So, like, <laughs> Let me introduce you to my accounting department. Yeah. yeah. Because <laughs> a lot of times managers are working harder than, than the reps. And so yeah. if they've got Excellent. it for them to be intrinsically motivated, it's got to be their plan. So, well, as we always close out the podcast, we're, we always love, remind you that we love comments. We want to know how we can serve you better. So please give us some feedback. Let us know what topics are interesting to you, how we can get, how we can, um, again, serve you better, provide better information. Always want to uh, learn from our audience. So, Tab, good to see you, my friend. And thank you for everyone for joining us for another episode of Sales with Aslan. Mm -hmm.